This episode of the Designated Drinker Show is brought to you by Buffalo and Bergen, inspired by the New York soda shops of yesteryear. It's a new spin on the old classics, from knishes to cocktails. You'll enjoy bagels, egg cream, sodas, and so much more. If you want authentic, then you have to go to the source, Buffalo and Bergen, located in Union Market. For hours of operation and directions, visit buffaloandbergen.com. That's buffaloandbergen.com. It's time to get a bit philosophical. It's been written that there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt in your philosophy, or mine, or anyone's. There's no limit to the incredible things you can discover in New Orleans, the food, the music, the culture, and the beliefs. Some people find their faith early and hold on with both hands. Some people have to search and search before finding the right fit. And some, they just don't give it much thought at all. Whatever you believe, the power of belief itself can shape how you approach the world, how you solve problems, and how you interact with your fellow passengers on this journey we call life. We at the Designated Drinker Show think that there's lots of room in this big world for a lot of different beliefs. And we're even up for discussing it, maybe over a drink. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails and so much more. I am Louise Salas, your host and guide today's journey into spirits. Yes, today's show is all about spirits, and not just the kind Gina pours into the glass. Speaking of Gina, that is exactly who is with me. Hey, everyone, I'm Gina, and I'm very excited to meet and make a drink for our very enlightened guest today. Yes, today's designated drinker is quite special. On our show, we have writer, artist, and voodoo priestess, Sally Ann Glassman. Hey. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I hope I live up to my reputation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, today the designated drinker show is still in New Orleans, and we are at the Healing Center with Sally Ann Glassman. Um, first, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is initiated voodoo priestess. Um, she's internationally re- recognized for her lectures, art, reading, and healing ceremonies. And uh, she's one of the very few Americans that to be indo- ordained um, into voodoo um, through um, traditional Haitian initiation. Um, Sally Ann, you want to tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about voodoo? Okay. It's, it's a lot to go into very quickly. Um, if anyone could imagine having to describe their whole religion <laughs> in a <laughs> in couple 4. of seconds. seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot gets left out. But <laughs> but to uh, just give you a, a little tidbit about it, voodoo, and I pronounce it voodoo rather than voodoo. Okay, and it's spelled differently. The, I, I noticed that. So V O O D O O refers to the sort of tourist Hollywood image of. Um, you know, spellcraft and people sticking pins and dolls and all of that. <laughs> and this is Vodou, the religion, V-O-D-O-U. And it's a religion that, that was practiced in Haiti, also practiced in the Louisiana colony. We have a, a lot in common <laughs> between yes. these two places. But it, it formed as a religion and as a way of looking at life and experiencing life. And um, it came out of the conflicted encounter between uh, 
Native African people who were taken in slavery um, into the New World. So their traditions uh, form the base of Odoo, and and there was this encounter between these African traditions and European Catholicism and Native American practices. And there were also Masons practicing in both Haiti and Louisiana who brought in um, their mysticism and magic. And, and this formed as a kind of gumbo religion. That I love that term, gumbo yeah. religion. That's great. And you can, just like with a gumbo, you can identify all the different flavors, but they all work together to create something quite different. That's and amazing. And the, the beautiful thing is most religions are that. They truly are. They, they come into an area, they adapt to the people's um, mm-hmm. beliefs and where they are, and, and it becomes a part of the religion. I think it's a beautiful part, um, what you're saying is that there's I- that identify that this is, like you said, a gumbo mm-hmm. uh, space of religion. It's, a, it's actually really beautiful. Yeah, and it's um, to a Voodooist, Everything is voodoo, so everybody's practicing it at, at the same time, whether they know it or not. Oh, that's 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 a unique uh, outlook. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think that Catholicism was as deeply affected by its encounter with Africans as voodoo was mm-hmm. with its encounter with Catholicism. And then in New Orleans, you'll see grocery stores and drugstores that sell candles, yeah. seven-day candles, yeah. that are for the saints or for some purpose. and. And people keep home altars and and pray to, you know, Saint Anne, Saint Anne, bring me a man. (laughs) Bury Saint Joseph upside down in your yard, buried halfway, to sell your home, and and it's just common practice here. (laughs) I think there's there's become commonplace in a lot of people's homes, and they don't really realize where the tradition or the belief comes from. Right. Um, I mean. I think you see that probably throughout a lot of a lot of religions. Catholicism in Latin America is very different than it is elsewhere, and it's because it's adapted to what the people there, like I said, um, yeah. practice before. And, and a lot of people are really shocked to see Catholic imagery in the practice of Odoo, but when the slaves were first brought over, they had to conform to or convert to yeah. Catholicism, and Odoo was outlawed. Yeah. And I think largely because Voodoo recognizes, first of all, it recognizes a supreme god, just yeah. like Western religions do. Um, but it recognizes that there's an invisible world of spirit, and that world is bigger, it's it's more powerful, it's more full of life and potential, and, and that than the physical world. But these two worlds interact, and they can be reached, they can <laughs> communicate between themselves. So for the slaves, that was extremely empowering. Oh, I imagine that so. There yeah, was absolutely. an invisible world and a source of power, and this religion provided the technology for reaching into that power. And it was very frightening for the, the slave owners. So there was a real effort made to cast voodoo in a, in a bad light, in a negative light. But because the, the slaves were forced to convert, they were given images of the saints. And in those images, they saw symbols that they recognized from their spirits in Africa. And so they used them as kind of masks or, or covers for what they were really worshiping. Mm-hmm. And, and now you see um, Catholic saints all over voodoo altars and throughout voodoo's sacred arts. It's amazing. That's really cool. The, the history of it is so, it's beautiful and it's uh, enlightening in yeah. itself. Yeah. How do you how how does one become a priestess? What was your journey? But then how would how would just you know anyone do that? How how does that happen? So um, 
it's it's not the easiest thing to have happen <laughs> and, and I always tell people I'm a, a white Jewish Ukrainian vegan from nowhere Maine who <laughs> went on a very long journey to become a voodoo priestess who knew but I was kind of born this way and I didn't realize that that being able to see in the invisible or being able to relate to the invisible was unusual. Um, it took me a long time to figure out that wasn't absolutely normal and that everybody wasn't seeing things this way. But but s solid physical things just didn't look very solid to me. They looked like flows of energy. So um, when I sort of ran into New Orleans and ran into voodoo while I was here, um, it was a, a relief for me to, to find something or a, a system and a way of looking at the world that that reflects the way that I see things. Yeah. And when I finally went to Haiti and um, went for my initiation, it was really incredible to be in a country where everybody saw this. I bet. I bet. I guess we, we're all of a sudden you are amongst your own maybe yeah, or yeah. where it feels more... Mm -hmm. um, that's amazing. That's. I was very fortunate. I had a, a woman in, who lived in my neighborhood who was very interested and wrote a book about Haitian sequin art. The, the flags that are carried in ceremonies are done up in beautiful sequin um, images. And, and she suggested that I come to Haiti with her and witness the ceremony. And while I was at her house talking with her about it, the phone rang and it was people in Haiti calling to say that they had talked to spirit and why didn't I just come and initiate and oh, wow I just didn't know any better so I said <laughs> okay and got on a plane and went down and initiated but I was really blessed that the the man who became my initiator was an extraordinary person I adored him and yeah. he was very open-minded um, his attitude was that he was he to interfere if some white girl from <laughs> from the United States <laughs> although he thought I was French because I was speaking French oh. but, uh, you know if the spirit chooses who it will and who was he to interfere with that and and he just became my papa and I was his daughter and, and oh, that's beautiful it was beautiful it was I was truly blessed it could have been very different than that yeah <laughs> so the initiation um, what does what 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 happens what wait, I mean yeah there's know, what, what does that look like there's a no lot idea. I can't say about it because you take oaths before spirit not to um, not to divulge oh, all this oh, stuff but me. I can Sorry. say that it's um, it's a six-day reclusion from the world um, wow. you're in isolation um, you're told to lay on your left side and dream and from the minute it started I couldn't tell if I was dreaming or if things were really happening if I was hallucinating it was truly an altered state of mind and um, I felt stripped of everything that I used to identify myself, um, which was really healing in, in retrospect that all the things we put on, like clothing that said, I'm this, and you just wouldn't understand this. And there in the initiation, you're taking all that stuff off. And it's just your spirit there with you and you either make it through and take up your power or you don't <laughs> wow it's very intense it sounds very intense yeah. something that's peaceful but intense at the same time exactly it's yeah. beautiful yeah. it does it, it feels like i don't know it, it's like you get to know your real self and what you're capable of i mean it's 
Yeah. It's very empowering. I don't know. Maybe I'm not some, like, I don't know. I feel very moved by just that little the yeah. insight. Yeah, that little insight. I feel like that's amazing. I think blessings always carry a sense of curse with them too. And um, while I was going through it, it was really tough. And you go through a dark night of the soul, or I did anyway, where you're just tearing yourself apart and feeling unworthy. And and um, my papa, Edgar, I thought came in the room. I wasn't sure if he was there, if I was imagining it, or if it was really happening, or it was a dream. And he talked to me for hours. And the weird thing was that he didn't speak French or English and I didn't speak Creole at the time, but I understood him perfectly. And we had this whole conversation. At the end of it, I was able to say, okay, this is me, this is what I got, and these are my strengths and my weaknesses, and do with that what you can. And that allowed me to be okay <laughs> with myself. And, you know, it's, it's really core stuff. And later, after the initiation, I saw Edgar again and asked him if he'd been there. And, or did I imagine it, or was I dreaming? And he said, oh, I was there, all right. And then he started to go through the whole conversation with me again. And again, he was speaking Creole and I was speaking French and we understood each other perfectly. It's really mysterious. That's oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah. Do you still, have you seen him throughout the years or do, is it that? I saw him throughout the years and after the earthquakes in Haiti, um, he came and stayed with my husband and I. Oh, nice. Um, spent about three months. He would go back and forth and I'd go back and forth up until then. He was pretty ill at that point. He'd been having some strokes and he oh, wow. had heart problems and he had some cancer. And then his eldest child died in, in Haiti and the family insisted that he go back. Um, and I knew that was gonna be it, that he wasn't gonna be able to survive. And he, he lasted about a month and- um, oh, a very short period of time. Yeah, he died in his own bed. He passed in his sleep at night. And so it's like, it's a good life, a good yeah. death, a yeah, good absolutely. man. Yes. It's beautiful. Thank you yeah. for sharing that with us. That is lovely. So you said that you're just a white girl from <laughs> <laughs> up north. Yeah. Um, when did you come to New Orleans? What brought you to this area? I mean, obviously you had a greater calling, but how did that happen? How did you get there? Or yeah. how'd you come, how'd you get here, I guess I should say? It's funny because that's what I call it. It was a calling. You know, I had no idea it was a calling at the time, but I was living in my cousin's unheated barn in Kennebunkport, Maine, and it was October 1st and about 20 degrees. And <laughs> I was quite the vagabond at the time. I would just get up and move all the time. And um, But I had no idea where I wanted to go. And I had a list of 20 different cities that I might go to, and none of them was standing out or making any kind of sense. And my brother called saying that he had been hired to teach at Tulane University here in New Orleans. And something in my head just went off and said voodoo and jazz would be really interesting. And I got on a plane and came down and voodoo and jazz were really interesting. <laughs> and <laughs> so here I you stay. are. <laughs> yeah. and that was 1976. Wow. 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 That's when I was born. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll rub it's it a, in. No, it's a great year. It's a great year. It's a very, it's a very important year. Like in lot of like seventy six, the year and um, lots of different cultures was a very strong really? year. Had yeah. No idea. Like the Asian, like the Asian culture, uh -huh. they believe in that year, and the, um, it was a dragon year, and huh. it was like all like, like strength, lots of strength, big moves, things changed. Things changed for me for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's a, a thing. I mean, that's like yeah. not like I'm not making that up. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Very cool. Yeah. So you opened your first shop. You were here for a while before you opened your first shop. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I, a lot of things happened in 95 as well for me. I started doing public ceremonies to fight crime in the middle of the street. And I w- initiated in 95 and I opened my shop in 95. That was a busy year. It was wow. a busy year. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, so uh, I don't know what that is in the Chinese <laughs> system. But can, I, is, can I just interrupt you? What does that look like to stop crying? Like what? what tell me. <laughs> no, really, I want to know. <laughs> well, this is an amazing story in itself. But um, in my neighborhood in, in New Orleans, it's called the Bywater. And we had the highest crime rate in the country for three years in a real violent crime. And... We had a neighbor on my street. I lived on Piety Street, of all things, you know, religious fervor. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and there was a, a gang on my street. This one man lived in the middle of the block, and he was part of a, a drug gang. And they were stealing from everybody in the neighborhood, and everybody knew who had their stuff. And um, he stole a necklace, a Star of David actually, a gold Star of David that my father and I had given to my mother uh, before she died and I'd yeah. had it on for 23 years and never took it off. And oh, no. one of the chains, one of the links in the chain was getting really um, weak so I took it off so I could get it repaired and went out of town and he came into my house and stole it and so I knew who had stolen it. and the neighborhood figured out who he had stolen it from and all these men showed up on my doorstep saying please he didn't know what he was doing we're really sorry please don't do anything about it and I was like what and um and he had already sold it for a crack and so I just decided this is ridiculous that we're all cowering in front of this guy and we all could come together and go to a higher power that at the time the um, the police force in New Orleans was really corrupt. We knew we couldn't get help from them, and we could see that the police were working with this gang. Wow. And um, we, at the time, we didn't know how serious it was, but we just knew there was not going to be any help from the usual sources. So I thought, why don't we all come together and do a voodoo ceremony in his front yard and in the street in front of him and bring all the neighbors out and call on Ogu, who's the warrior spirit and and a very strong sense of justice and right and wrong. And so we did that. And and it was amazing. About 150 people came out and it was New Orleans. So some of them had rhinestones glued to their faces and costumes on and they had their martinis in their hands. (laughs) Appropriate drinks for your anti-crime ceremony. (laughs) There was a, a a guy, a reporter from the New York Times, just happened to be visiting a friend that night and came out, and we were the front page of the New York Times. Wow. And wow. Then that went around the world, and, and we were on the World News Tonight with Peter Jennings, and and I, I'm the only person I know that was in the Smithsonian Magazine and the National Enquirer at the same, <laughs> the same week. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> But Talk about contrast. <laughs> yeah, but the crime dropped 65%. Wow. The um, police were busted. The police themselves were busted, warehousing 200 pounds of crack cocaine at the end of the block on the oh river. Um, things changed, and the crime never went back up. 
And so the police took credit for it, saying it was good police work, and we all knew it was the amazing power of voodoo. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. I like it's it. like so amazing. Sorry. It'd be a new superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, can you come to DC? <laughs> we got some areas in DC. I know we got some we got some we need some little help in DC right now. You know, it takes an extraordinary neighborhood and you know, there's something about New Orleans. Um, I always think it's because of the presence of Voodoo here and the history of these people that survived slavery and, and managed to creolize all the traditions and cultures that were around them and put a spin on it and make it their own, that New Orleans just dances to a different drummer. It's an Afro-Caribbean beat, and you can do things like this <laughs> in the middle of the street here and not be arrested for it, and people take it seriously. And, and we've done subsequent ceremonies to fight crime and the police have come out with us and oh. um, supported it. So That's great. That's great. Yeah. 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 Certainly, you know, yeah. all it. the help it takes. It, takes a, it truly takes a village. It takes a village. <laughs> it does, yeah. I'm like in awe right now. I feel like, like <laughs> I don't know. So then you, then after you had the first shop for many years and then you moved here, correct? At the, uh -huh. the Healing at Center. At the Healing Center. Mm -hmm. So the shop is the Island of Salvation Botanica and it was on Piety Street. Mm -hmm. um, for 16 years, I guess. And then it was the first business that was open in the New Orleans Healing Center. And um, so I think people had a, a little bit of a hurdle to get over that to, to associate voodoo with healing for the first time, maybe. <laughs> and instead of those pins and the dolls and the hexing and the cursing, it's, it's really about healing and balance and... and um, how do you celebrate and affirm life no matter what your situation, what your conditions? It's great. So the other thing is, is that, um, so just for the rest of you, just so you know, the listeners, if you want to know a little bit more, um, when I said author, you, actually, you you wrote a book, then just so everyone knows, it's um, available on Amazon. I checked it out today. <laughs> And, and available through the shop, and it's called Voodoo Visions, V-O-D-O-U, it's spelling. And so what would someone, um, what would someone anticipate if they, I mean, obviously, to get a deeper understanding and appreciation of you and the voodoo, is that mm -hmm. correct? Um, is that, what else, I mean, is, was that sum up the book? Because unfortunately, I have not read it. Okay, so um, I earlier did a tarot deck with uh, Louis Martinet called the New Orleans Voodoo Tarot. And we did ceremonies for each of the cards um, before drawing the cards or writing anything about them. And so it was a very intense experience. And, and um, I remember I had a tiny little studio that was maybe four feet square, <laughs> full of spirits and, and all these activities that we were doing and calling on them. And, and the spirits, when they showed up, really expressed a lot about themselves and presented a lot about themselves. And Lewis wrote the book that, that accompanied the, the New Orleans Voodoo Tarot, but it didn't have that material in it. So I wrote this book in order to get that information out because it was so amazing to me. Wow. And um, the first half of it just explains a little bit about what Voodoo is, what the principles are, and how to do ritual, how to set up altars, how to call on these, these um, energies and intelligences. and and who they are, what they are, and then the rest of the book goes into each card and each image and who that spirit is and how you serve that spirit. Wow, that's amazing. Um, 
So before all of that, or while you were, was it, did you do, I know you bartended for many years. Did, did you, how did that align with your your journey? <laughs> did you do that alongside? Were you doing both? Were you, I, I mean. I was a bartender for a very long time and I started when I was underage. I think I was 17. <laughs> we won't tell. And, um, <laughs> and tended bar for 27 years. Your secret is safe with us. Yeah. No one will ever know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no longer, it's no longer an issue. <laughs> but but um, so I tended bar for 27 years in, in Connecticut and Maine and um, then in New Orleans for yep. a long time so a lot of this was side by side uh, two different kinds of spirits I was just going to say you had your foot in both spirit worlds <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm amazed now that I'm no longer a bartender how far the, the field has come and that so many bartenders now are really spirit masters and they're working with herbs and and they're more like they're making potions or it's an apothecary than that it's a bar. Yes, and it, I truly agree with that. And a lot of times I um, equate with what Gina does and the way she approaches a cocktail like being a chef. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the fact that there's, you're right, the, the spirit side of it is um, just really kind of deep. And you're, I always call them magical elixirs because, you know. Uh, nice. kinda <laughs> 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 but that's because, you know, it, it woos the pain, right? Uh -huh. um, Puts you in a good mood. Yeah. Um, so uh, speaking of drinks, Gina, um, now it's time for you to do your magic. All right, I'm on to it. Okay, so um, this was a little bit of a challenge and really beautiful and amazing. So uh, the cocktail that we made today is a non-alcoholic cocktail, which is really um, just really pretty. So we have a fashionola syrup in there, which is a very traditional New Orleans, just really beautiful strawberry, a little bit of um, tincture of a couple of different spices and grapefruit. And then we have um, fresh grapefruit juice. And then we put a little bit of soda water in there just to kind of bubble it up. And then we finish it off with a bergamot grapefruit spray that um, Sally Ann had here in the shop, which is lovely. And you just spray it and you just feel better. So I don't know, <laughs> bergamot's wonderful. And a lot of people don't even realize that bergamot is found in a lot of your perfumes and stuff because it's already, it's something that you just can become in tune with. It's a, it's a smell that just makes you happy. So I hope that this works for you. All right, do I get to take a sip? It's Absolutely. Cool. It's too beautiful to drink. It is beautiful. It's like um, a little garden in my cup. The beautiful little edible flowers that you've added, it's lovely. So on top of it has an Egyptian mm. star flowers. Yum. Um, violas, <laughs> and then a little bit of uh, Thai basil blossoms and just beautiful and scent like so Gina, if somebody were going to make something like this at home, could you break that down a little bit for them? Yes. So um, you'll start with one ounce of uh, simple syrup, or one ounce of grapefruit, and then like four ounces uh, sparkling water. If you want to make it alcoholic, you could put champagne in there. Um, I would do a crushed ice and then go out to your garden, find some flowers, put it on top or herbs or go poach from your neighbor's yard. It's not stealing when it's a cocktail, it's borrowing. So, and enjoy. Wonderful, thank you. And of course, um, for everyone else, just um, in case you didn't catch any of that, don't worry, the Gina will have a wonderful, magical recipe for you at designateddrinker.show. It's designateddrinker.show. So, Sally Ann, what do you, what's the verdict? What do you think? It is delicious and it's fascinating. It's got so many, it makes me think of Odoo. It's, it's fascinating, it's rich, it's deep, it's interesting. It's got all these different flavors that are unique and yet it's coming together to make a really happy drink. 
feel really happy right now. Wow. <laughs> Gina, that was quite the compliment. I know. I don't even know what to say. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of wraps today. I think we're leaving on a high note. Absolutely. So we're going um, to get out of your hair. Well, thank you, ladies. Mm-hmm. Thank you for this fabulous drink. Unlike most facts, this is not closing time because Sally Ann's open for business. <laughs> so if anyone's looking for her, she's here at the Healing Center in New Orleans. And the Island of Salvation Botanica. Wonderful.